We'll try not to call you biceps the whole time. <laughs> Do you like that name? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have had you didn't have biceps. I have, and it <laughs> I have a question. Has anyone? You must have had that nickname before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It was it was my Instagram handle for a short period. Oh, oh was okay. it? No, dude, that'd be awesome. It felt a little I thought, bit. I thought I was original. God damn. Uh, yeah. No. But it, it's too it's too natural. It yeah. was back in college. <laughs> right there, man. And then after college, it felt a little obnoxious to have that be the handle, so I changed it. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh man. Well, now someone else is giving you the nickname, so it's now legal for now you to endearing. use it. That's probably as him. Much I as just heard the thing. Dude, like, Instagram is made for people to be obnoxious. Like, It's true. Times are changing, though. Are they? Are, like, people getting pissed if people are... No, I think people are becoming less... Narcissists. I highly, highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. Or more, less nakedly. Like, not, not as obvious. Yes, I think okay. people are cynical to social media now. Okay. So when people are overtly trying to wanna... flex on them, Got it. yeah, it's a little annoying. Escape from Plan A. everyone welcome to another episode of escape from plan a i'm your host oxford condo and this is another episode in which we're all in the same room so let's say hi to teen hey what's going on man and mark hello and a very special first time guest john by aka biceps good to be here <laughs> <laughs> that's your name now thanks yeah all right i think oh before we get started uh we want to announce the the Patreon promo, I suppose, again. That's right. Uh, so our goal is to get to 150. And once we do, Mark has a very special treat. Mark, why don't you describe what it'll be? So um, I guess I like singing. Uh, we've all been to karaoke together. And um, I might be called a karaoke fiend. And uh, I figured it'd be fun if uh, once we get to that 150 Patreon mark, we, um, that I would sing a song. I'd, I'd do a cover. So um, I think we did a poll on Twitter, uh, and the winner was Plush by Stone Temple Pilots. So once we get to that 150, I'll record that and release it on uh, YouTube. Woo! Did any of you guys listen to Stone Temple Pilots when you were younger? I never. This was my uh, for this thing. I went and listened to them for the first time. They're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I like the song. I voted for it. 90s rock, man. Anyway, he died, right? What was his name? Um, the lead singer. I don't remember. Staley something? Yeah, might be something like that. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I'm a bad Stone Temple Pilots fan. Yeah, <laughs> they were good. They're a good band. Uh, anyway, uh, it'll be exciting. So uh, hopefully we'll get there. We're, we're almost there. We're at 116. I think we're at 119 now. Oh, 119. Oh, really? Even better. Yeah. Even closer. Not bad. Yeah. I got to warm up my vocal cords. <laughs> um, speaking of Patreon, so this episode... Which we actually hadn't planned on. Um, we had like we, we have a lot of ep uh, good episodes that are already recorded and we want to release, but this one kind of came up at the last minute. W you'll find out why. But the way we're gonna do this is the first hour of this podcast we're gonna release as part one uh, for our free uh, general episode, and then part two will be available as a bonus. So if you want to listen to the second part, uh, please subscribe. Yeah, and then okay, let's let's get to our guest first, John Bai. Um, we've hung out with you, John, quite a bit. 
and this is your first time on the pod, so we're very excited to have you. So just tell us a bit more about yourself. Yeah, this is my actual first time being on a podcast also. Oh, wow. I wasn't big into podcasts before Plan A, and that sounds like a plug, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I am a designer working at Lyft, a uh, product designer doing stuff in the app. So if you have any complaints, uh, don't give it to me. I don't <laughs> want to. I, I actually did have a problem and I texted John and he helped me out. <laughs> I so, But don't do that. Kind of helped out. <laughs> I attempted to help. Um, I'm from New Jersey originally. Went to school at RISD, studied industrial design and uh, moved to San Francisco right after I graduated. So after three years there, I got sick of it and came back to the East Coast, currently living in Manhattan. Like cool. it a lot better. Cool, cool. And we call you biceps because you do have very large arms. <laughs> tell, t tell us more about that. <laughs> People ask if I have hobbies, and I don't think going to the gym counts as a hobby. It's it could be a hobby. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that supports my fast food addiction. <laughs> ah, yes. Where do you work? Lift. What do you do for fun? Lift. <laughs> it's a synergy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, if, if I stopped working out, I wouldn't be able to eat Taco Bell weekly. So something's got to give. Anyway, as I was saying earlier, uh, we actually hadn't planned on doing this episode. Uh, we had another episode planned to come out. But on Friday, this, uh, this article in the New York Times dropped. It was in the Modern Love section, which if people don't know about it, I think it's where everyday people, they're not staff writers or anything, just come in and write about any article or story that has to do with relationships whether i don't know if it's only romantic maybe it's like it can be parental sibling whatever but it was written by this guy andrew lee and he was talking about how he met his fiance a woman named sarah and he was the first asian man she ever dated and it just explored uh what that thing what his whole like reaction to her saying that was and an article like that comes out, we can't like not talk about it, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we all know that's what you guys really want to listen to. So yeah, let's let's talk about it. Um, so what do you guys think of the article? Or should, do we need to give a summary of it? I feel like that was kind of the gist of it, but do you guys have anything to add to it? We can read the title, right? Sure, go ahead. When a dating dare leads to months of soul searching. And the subtitle says, it had been a glorious first date, but for her, there was a big problem. They were both of Asian descent. Yeah, and that's like the subtitle. So it sets up mm -hmm. what this is all about. And I thought this was uh, noteworthy because I remember reading an article several years ago, written in 2012, that uh, I think the headline was like, for Asian Americans, a tie that binds. For Asian American couples, a tie that binds. Yes. And it was about this exact same thing. A lot of like late 20s, early uh, 30s, Asian Americans, uh, women who um, were like dating and seeing Asian American men for the first time, and they ended up getting married. There were about like three or four couples uh, featured in that story is actually written by a woman named Rachel Swarns, who is, who is a black woman. So I thought, hey, it's like the exact same story, only like seven years later. What has changed? What has not? Because I've seen in the last few months, a, not, uh, last few years, a major evolution in the... It, it's almost like clockwork. It comes out very regularly, the Asian-American dating think piece. And But this one didn't seem to have changed that much. So, all right, you guys go ahead. What, what did you guys think? I tweeted about it, so... I think you already know how I feel about this one. Oh, I yeah. think you liked it very much, right? Uh, not to say that I didn't like it. I appreciate mm -hmm. articles like this being written. But I think when you see an article come out every month about how people, specific types of people, find Asian men unattractive, mm -hmm. um, I don't think it reflects the way the world is actually changing. 
or the scene, the dating scene at least for an Asian guy? I mean, I think my I think I've changed over the past couple of years about articles like this, and I don't know if the article itself like when I first read it, I didn't like it. Like my initial reaction was kind of like that was like, why do they keep having to bring this topic up, right? But then I think maybe what is I like the article because it was very compassionate, but I think what's missing from these articles, and I think that this this article's almost getting to it, is maybe re-examining the concept of attraction itself. So when they, I think it like I think you're right in the sense that they too easily say something like Asian women don't find Asian men attractive, and then it goes into these like race essentialist discussions about how we're fed images of white men and they're considered beautiful. And, you know, the the chinky eyed thing is, you know, whatever. But just reading this article, I felt like that really wasn't the point. It wasn't about her physical attraction and it had more to do with her than him. And so I think it was more about whether she felt attractive around him as an Asian man because she wasn't used to uh, socializing with Asian guys. So I just felt like although it wasn't said explicitly that he was kind of carrying water for her for a little bit for her to say okay yeah the problem is that i don't find asian men attractive when maybe you could recast it i don't know this is just my feeling is you could recast it as i don't know how to act around asian guys like i don't know how to read i I, I can't read you i don't know how you're going to react you're the first asian guy i dated you know that kind of thing so i think i can appreciate that but the what the actual quote says is you're the first asian guy i've ever gone on a date with i'm not sure how i feel about that Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think she's projecting a lot. I think she also says at some later point, you had pointed out, Mark, about that. What did, what did she say? So she said something about his confidence. So she said, and I'll find the quote here. Um, it was really, it really stood out to me because it made me feel like, like she knew sort of the, the common perception of like the hierarchy of like where, where Asian men are and Asian women are and like the fact that Asian men are like uh, that. Asian men are dehumanized and seen as unattractive. So like the quote was, um, if things don't work out, she said, would it hurt your confidence? That isn't something that someone would say if like they just are going to reject any dude and, you know, that's it. Like, why would she say that necessarily? Well, it would. Well, of course, if you get rejected, it would hurt your confidence. But she brought up the race aspect. Right. And th- yes. If- and this was after. You know, they were at the door. It was the end of the date. They'd been on a nine-hour date. I mean, that's a long date. And it's at her door, and it just comes out. She's like, she's ready to go in. The, the date's sort of ready to end. And she's she comes out with it. Like, she sort of self-confesses. And then after that, and he sort of makes a joke about, like, oh, you know, I guess I'll just tell my friends it didn't work out, and it was because she was racist. <laughs> you know? And I, so... Yeah, if it had just been, it just really stood out to me as like, you don't say that normally, like, okay, yeah, it's always going to hit someone's confidence if they get rejected. But because of that sequence, I'm like, it was, I think she thought it would especially hit him because she was, she would have been rejecting him because he was Asian. Well, because to provide context to how this happened, it was her friends who dared her to go out with him because she had never dated an Asian guy. And I'm going to assume her friends, at least... Some of them were probably Asian women. Yeah. So going into this, she, if she didn't know about this uh, issue before, she knew very well going in, which yeah. is why she, she brought it up in a racial context. Yeah. It's weird. 
the whole thing's kind of weird. Yeah, because I don't think people are talking directly. You know, no. I, I think that there's a lot of this which is projection and hiding behind a safe narrative. Because I think for her, like you said, I think part of it, if you think about it, if she she grew up in a, she said she grew up in a town in Texas where yes. she was like the only Asian person, right? Now she moves to San Francisco. If she doesn't feel comfortable, maybe you could talk about this more because you, you lived there for a while. But maybe it's really her being quite self-conscious about whether she can actually, so, not, I'm not even talking about dating, but even socializing around Asian guys. Like mm-hmm. she probably feels nervous about what what do they expect me to be like? Am I going to speak in a way that, you know, like, are we going to, are we going to vibe? I think it's a valid concern. You know what I mean? And but, I think it, but, but let me bring up, but it's not like he grew up in the SGV or something. He also grew up in Colorado, like one of the like whitest states out there. Mm-hmm. Yet he didn't go through this. Maybe he had, he had a head start. I mean, maybe he, he well, had, I think if he had a head start, it's probably because he was an Asian guy and he would mm-hmm. have faced uh, the, like the racial barrier quite early on. Yeah, possibly. Because yeah. he also brings up that in high school, he also said that in high school that he actually got a lot of attention. And mm-hmm. I think that that was like his strategic way of saying, I'm not just some like bitter incel because, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as I, an Asian guy says this, that's what he's going to get labeled as. So um, he, but he didn't have any weird, I'm going to assume that he got attention from white or, are there any, there's no black people in Colorado, right? Probably um, very few. Probably yeah. very few. It's, it's very white. Yeah. So I'm assuming he meant white girls, but it's not like he had this weird hang up around her. Like, well, how do I act around Asian women? Are they going to expect me to insert whatever, like K-drama stereotypes or old, you know, Confucian stereotypes? Yeah, but are. maybe he dated a few Asian girls already in San Francisco. Like, you know, I mean, it, right. think about he it. Didn't she go ma- she married him, right? Or they're engaged. Yeah. So it doesn't take. That's what I'm saying. I think the I don't think the barrier is that high, Right. She meets like one Asian guy in her life. She's like, yeah, I don't know if I can be attracted to an Asian guy. She meets one and then they get married. So I don't, I don't really think the barrier is going to be that high for her. So maybe he just had a head start. Maybe he just dated a few more. Than, than yeah, we don't did. know. I we have don't, no idea. There's no background, right? They don't yeah. go into sort of. But, but I guess what I'm trying to establish is that the same reason I think, John, you were kind of a little bit tired of that narrative, which I am too. And like you said, maybe this one doesn't seem like it's really advanced so much since the 2012 article which i read and it didn't seem to go much past that is that i think i think there just is there's a limit to that whole discussion about the sort of the the gender parfait like the the gender racial hierarchy and how asian guys are not physically attractive considered physically attractive the same way black women are not considered physically attractive i think that whole discussion is just worn out its usefulness Mm -hmm. and it's not describing reality but it's still a there's still a way to shoehorn their interaction into that narrative to say oh i came into this feeling like i couldn't be attracted to asian guys or whatever it just i don't know it the whole thing fell apart after one date anyway so i I just don't think that's what's really going on well the difference with this one is that it's written by an asian guy not lacking in confidence Mm -hmm. um clearly has a good dating history um whereas the ones i've seen in the past are typically written from the perspective of an asian woman talking about how she's typically not dated asian guys and then suddenly gave it a chance it's 2019 i guess you know you can yeah there was recently in flair magazine um i think it's a magazine it might just be a website i'll just call it flair magazine by madeline chung which was kind of like the same thing except i guess if sarah had written uh, this piece, it probably would have sounded a lot like that one because it was all about her dating her first Asian guy after 
realizing that you know there's just some something missing when she was only dating white guys for you know kind of like internalized racist reasons there was the tria chang piece in huffington post that one was a little different because she actually was married to an asian guy but then got divorced and is now engaged to a white guy and she has some issues with that because she doesn't want to seem like one of those couples but yeah john i was actually about to ask that about you because um what I liked about this piece when I read it was, I mean, like, just like the headline itself, you're, you're already thinking, oh, no, this guy is just going to be, uh, you know, he, he's just, he's just going to come off as totally spineless or whatever. But as I read this, I thought, okay, within the context of something like the New York Times, which you know, if you're a minority writing for a major a piece in the New York Times like this, you're going to get heavily censored. You know, you're, you're going to have to uh, write for a white audience and everything. Within that context, I thought he probably portrayed this as most empowering to himself as possible because the sense I got from this was that there was like this Asian woman with, uh, you know, you know, internalized racist problems and he kind of fixed her, okay. which is like, if, if I, if I were like say an uh, Asian woman and I, I was determined to hate this piece, I would say, Hey, w w you know, stop acting like you're some kind of hero. Uh, so in in that sense, the way way he said, I'm like confident. I ha I had no problem. Well, you know, he did say he had problems before, but it's not like it's not like I'm just like a dateless wonder. Um, and the way he said, like my parents grew raised me to be a proud Asian, unlike her, and I understand. That's kind of like trying to come from a position of power, where I am. I'm like extending this noblesse oblige. It's strange because this is the most. It, it definitely he frames it from a position of power, but it doesn't read to me as particularly empowering to other Asian guys reading it. Can you elaborate the, on that? A lot of a lot of responses I got uh, when I re retweeted this article were in appreciation of him writing it. But for me, going on a date with a girl that brings up race first of all is a red flag. Second of all, uh, kind of projecting all this stuff onto me another red flag. Any Asian girl that I've ever dated has never said I don't date Asian guys. Wait, so has this, you've, you've, you've dated girls like this uh, or no? I'm saying I haven't gone on a date where they bring up race unless it's in a positive aspect. Like we're going, you know, we're going to a Chinese restaurant or something. Have you guys ever oh, been yeah. on a date where oh, that's yeah. been come up? Oh yeah. yeah. I, um, when I was, I, know, I was, I was in my mid twenties and I wanted, I had met this girl in a bar and we went on a date like a week or two afterwards and she was a little younger than me. I think I was like just out of college and she might have be, might've been like a senior. Mm. And we went on this dinner date and in like the middle of dinner, she just mentions out of the blue that I was the first Asian dude she'd ever been on a date with. Mm. And she framed it in a way of like, oh, isn't that so funny? And like, you know, uh, that's totally like, oh, I, don't, you know, I think she was nervous about it, but I don't know why she brought it up. Did you ever really, what was your reaction to that? I, I, if I'm remembering correctly at the time, I was pretty annoyed by it. That statement um, doesn't sound endearing in any but why? Yeah. But why not, though? Because I guess what I'm wondering is what she said is both truthful and relevant. Relevant, but does it have to be mentioned as a conversation topic? Um, I think I was upset because of, it might've been, it, it was a couple of reasons. It was where I was in myself mm. as well, just the confidence level or the way I was thinking at the time. And 
I didn't want to be someone's sort of first experiment or I didn't want to be seen as like a charity case. So she it really had the 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 sense of like, oh, you know, isn't this great? You know, you're my first did Asian she, guy. Did she say it in a way that suggested that? Yes. Because, okay, oh, I see. And that maybe she didn't maybe i just took it that way yeah but like it just it didn't seem like a compliment it just meant it, it just seemed like she was nervous and it might have it might have been going towards what you're talking about team mm. where they they're projecting so much of these stereotypes on the asian dudes like asian dudes are completely different than just regular aka white guys mm. that she was maybe surprised or she just didn't know how to act so that's why she sort of it, it slipped out but I, I was I've been on that was the only time, but it it's happened. Yeah, a couple of bonus episodes ago, uh, and they called it Yellow Love. I'm totally selling it. I'm not like Will, <laughs> Willie Loman. Yeah, I'm Willie Lomaning. I, I wasn't even on it, so it was <laughs> that, uh, it was very good. That's we know good. how it was good. <laughs> our our friend Ray, whom we really wanted on this podcast, we just don't know how to simultaneously, I guess, do a like an in person podcast and conference mm. someone in, but. He talked about spending a summer in Switzerland uh, several years ago in which he had two such encounters with Asian-American. One of them might have been Asian-Canadian women who, whom he hooked up with, but then told him he was their first mm -hmm. Asian guy. And just like, mm -hmm. you know, why the fuck mm -hmm. would you tell me that? But I think it also raises a question because, OK, I think there is um, an accepted reality that Asian guys, because of, I think, how we have just these racial experiences, we become more comfortable with our Asian-ness, especially in a romantic sense at mm -hmm. an earlier age, in that we're more comfortable dating Asian women than they are of us in general, obviously not across the board, but in general. And if that's the case, there will be instances in which there will be Asian women who you know, had issues with Asian guys, but we all want everyone to be more aware of this. And there will be a first time for a lot of them. In that case, how do you, we respond? What's the best way to respond, right? Because, That's my question, too. Yeah. That's yeah. my question. Basically, what is the role of the Asian-American man in this situation? I kind of sometimes think of it if you were to think of a different race. Like, if you were to think of a black woman that grew up in a neighborhood where there were no other black people, which happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's a strong black identity in America, and if she's not feeling like she's connected to it and she goes on a date, her first black person, I'm not, it doesn't have to be a black man if it's a black woman or whatever, but a first, the first black, you know, date, I can see why she would feel nervous about it. You know, she doesn't feel like she's one of them, so to speak. So for her, you know, when I read this article, because I think it's specific, right? It's, it's different. There's different types of. There's different uh, stories for the women who have never dated in, in race, in group. But for her, you know, it sounded like she just didn't have any opportunities. Um, and then maybe didn't feel comfortable taking them, but eventually decided she wanted to. So I kind of think of it that way. It's more like, I think she, I just got the feeling like she was nervous because she didn't feel like she could actually get along with other Asian people, despite the fact you're Asian. And I think that's something all Asian Americans at some level can tap into if you think about how you feel when you go to Asia itself. Yeah. Right. 
and the, the sort of weird alienation. You know how a lot of people, Asians say, it's actually weirder for me as, an, as a Chinese American to go to Taiwan or Korea than it is for a white person because they assume that I speak or they assume that I'm familiar with everything. So it's almost worse in a way. I kind of feel like it's kind of like that a little, at least for her in that, in that article. Also, this story took place in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's perfect because we were going to pod with John anyway. Great but segue. John. Hmm? Great segue. <laughs> yeah. And John uh, is, I think, the only one of us in this room right now who's actually spent time in San Francisco. I mean, I, li- I, I lived there for a little while, but I didn't date there. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. So, John, uh, spill the beans. What's San Francisco like? I also lived there for a little while and didn't date there. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like that. If you need to know what San Francisco is <laughs> wow. like. Really? Well, okay. No, obviously not. Um, I have been on all the apps. I meet people in public places as well, in real life, IRL. Uh, My perception of dating in San Francisco is that, one, there's a horrible ratio there. Every, uh, for the most part. gender? Gender, gender ratio, yes. So more men than women. Yes. Uh, Where, well, I can, I'm going to use New York as the comparison here. Yeah. Because it's, in many ways, quite, quite different. Uh, New York, I see the uh, opposite thing being the case. In San Francisco, most people work in tech. And, and okay, this might not be entirely factual, whatever comes out of my description of San Francisco, but this is my perception of it. Uh, a lot of people in tech making it very homogenous. A lot of white people, a lot of Asian people, not a lot of anything else. Um, and so you, you, you tend to uh, end up with kind of the same pool of the same type of people um, making even dating apps kind of boring. Everyone does something similar so there's not a lot of diversity in terms of people's hobbies, interests, and everyone's personality. Just, even per- do you persona- think? I think personality. Sure. Yeah. Um, typical date might be brunch or going on a hike. <laughs> if you're not outdoors, I hate both those things. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self: Don't take Oxford on any brunch dates or walking. No hiking dates. Uh, whereas here, I think there's a lot of people and and um, people in creative industries. Uh, it's it's more than just the the Wall Street finance stereotype. You know, you got artists, uh, musicians, all sorts of backgrounds. Um, so I think the pool itself is more interesting, uh, more diverse. I don't know. I feel like if you ask questions, I might be able to say more well, about it. it. No, it's interesting because I think um, you're as you describe San Francisco, when a city is dominated by one industry, and then the industry has sort of a racial profile, white and Asian, and also it's heavily male. And sort of personality who goes into that field. If if you don't like or you're sort of not the ideal for that scenario, then it won't really much change, right? So like if you're seeing you're not having a lot of success, there isn't like another subgroup or niche that you can try to see if you you fit better with. It's sort of like okay, there's one dominant one, and if you're not having luck, it's like it. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say that I wasn't having luck out there. It was just not interesting to me. Okay, mm-hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. But in New York, I, I definitely think there's, as you described, a much larger diversity of different groups. Yep. Like the stereotype is that it's like Wall Street bankers and stuff, but they are comparatively a fairly small percentage of the dating pool. Um, there are a lot of different subgroups and everything like that. Yeah. Also, I think here there's no archetypical 10 guy. Does that make sense? Yeah. In San Francisco, if you're six foot tall, blonde, VC, uh, you know, 
Patagonia vest wearing guy, you're probably the ideal. Oh, God. Yeah. As you say that, I'm just so saddened because when I grew up, San Francisco, the image of San Francisco was this out there, hippie. Artsy. Uh, artsy thing. And, and to now hear you say that makes, makes what, me so When sad. I was there in, two, I think I was there in 2004 and I lived in San Francisco, but I worked in Silicon Valley. And it was like, I feel like what happened was Silicon Valley went north and took over the city. Because at that time, San Francisco still was, it was almost cooler than New York, I felt. Like, New York was what you were describing. And when I went out to San Francisco, I was like, this place is crazy. There's, like, so many different types of people here. Um, I mean, they were all very tech-oriented. I lived in, like, you know, I lived in Soma. And I just met a ton of friends when I was there. And they were all over the place. And, um, yeah, it didn't. It was it was only when I went to work down in in the in the you know in Silicon Valley that it started you know that was the perfect guy right that like oh yeah I own a little patch of vineyard here I got my little you know self labeled uh, reserve bottle Magnum here I'm gonna bring it to the yacht party like that was literally happening and then that like invaded North and it just sounds like a hellscape now. Yeah, this reminds me of the podcast team that you did with Jess and Trevor from Champagne Sharks. Yeah. Also a great episode we did a few while back. But I think this is exactly like the San Francisco that was missing from that movie, right? Yeah. This is yeah. kind of the real San Francisco. You mean from Always Be My Maybe? Yeah, Always uh, Be My Maybe because mm -hmm. that was a nice fantasy of a Asian-American-centric San Francisco where none of this happened. Because remember, remember in Crazy Rich Asians where they took out that line where Rachel, the Constance Wu character in the book says... Uh, you know, Nick is the first Asian man I've dated. And mm -hmm. they took that out because they're like, oh, you know, this is this is a little too much, which yeah. I agree with in that movie. They probably would have handled it horribly. But we continually, you know, shove it under the rug because it's uh, kind of hard to talk about. Yeah. Again, so another reason I appreciated this article is that it's honest. Sometimes it's kind of maybe it's not saying as deep as it could, but at least it's putting it out there. Because like New York Times, remember last year, uh, what came out? The uh, alt-right. Asian fetish article by Adria Lim. And that yeah. one kind of like blew the doors open in a big way too. I felt like in 2012 when I was rereading that article by, what's her name, Rachel Swarns? Swarns, yeah. That she was not totally objective about it. I felt like she was celebrating the idea that Asian American... Coming back? That, that technically that the interracial rate of interracial marriage was declining. Right. Which in the media was considered nothing but a positive thing. It was a sign of assimilation and social unity. Well, you're you mean saying the that increase, the, the, the increase, increase in interracial in, increase, it, the good. general increase, the uptick in interracial marriages was treated as widely thing, as yeah. a sign of the mm -hmm. you know the assimilation going as planned. Right, right. And that Rachel Swarns, being the insightful journalist that she is, actually kind of pushed back on that. And said, no, this is actually a cause, of, cause for celebration because she was writing about how they that there was um, something gained by the by the people that were choosing to date, you know, another. and she wasn't it wasn't um, I think it was a lot of like in what, what, would, what would be the term like interethnic. Asian, Asian intra ethnic, like, like intra, intra yeah, yeah. So there but, was but one, cross, but yeah. cross, in the sense that it was yep. like a Vietnamese woman with an Indian man, right, or a Chinese woman with a you Filipino know guy, Filipino guy, Filipino guy, yeah, exactly. And that, that even with there, there was something sort of broadly shared. Can someone fill me in on this article? I don't think I've read it. I mean, I think that pretty much that, sums it yeah. up because uh, as Teen was saying, um, one of the tenets of white liberalism is everyone should like mix in terms of marriage because 
on the other side is like the pre-Loving v. Virginia case where, you know, all races were supposed to, uh, you know, stick right. to their own lanes kind of thing. Uh, but the, that article is saying, wait a minute, like, if it goes too far, what you're really advocating for is for all non-white people to want to marry into whiteness. Because, I mean, let's face it, that's what we really mean by interracial relationships. We are not really talking about like a Middle right. Eastern person uh, pairing up with a black person. Like that, that almost, not only like doesn't really happen, it's not talked about because it's not relevant. It's all about white people. And she was saying, especially for Asians, where there's such a stark gender divide, because I think the thing about Asians is Asian men aren't the only ones who are like desexualized. It happens to like South Asian guys. It happens to, you know, like black men were it called ha- boys. It happened to black men. Uh, oh, it happened yeah, to sure. black men yeah. who yeah. were called boys for a long time, etc. And Asian women aren't the only one who are fetishized. You think of, let's say, like Latinas or mm-hmm. even like certain types of white women, whether they're Eastern European, Swedish, whatever. But Asians are the only ones where it happens both to the people. And I think that's what makes us particularly interesting. Like what happens when a group gets pulled at both ends, where the men are just like stomped on and the women are just like fetishized. And um, kind of lost my train of thought, but someone go in. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, sorry, I'll, I'm going to segue to something here. Uh, because I remember when that article came, I, f- it, I don't remember when it came out, but I remember when I found it was around like 20, was a th- three years ago or so. Okay. And I had noticed on Reddit that people were talking about this apocalyptic, uh, these apocalyptic uh, stats saying that basically there were no Asian Asian couples in America, <laughs> like you know whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, well, you know, what Reddits were those? You know, all the all the Reddits you're familiar with, okay. right? Okay, um, like Asian identity, Asian ma- all the male Asian male subreddits where they were saying like you know basically if you look at the stats. It's just more and more white male, Asian female pairings oh, and okay. Asian Asian men basically having no options, right? It's dire, dire, dire. Sounds like San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I remember Googling about this because this is the this is the first time I I mean I'd known about this, but I had not uh, been confronted with that those kind of scenario the the predictions before or those or the data. And then so I went kind of looking for counterexamples and that's what I came across this. And I said, hey, look, you know, here's it here. You know, this was off census data that's taken every 10 years. So this is based off 2010 census data, which is interesting because at that time, I think in that article, they said there were about 10 million Asian Americans. So as we're rounding out to 2020, the next census, we're actually double that. Yeah. So we're closer to 20 million now. So that was a different time when this was written. Well, and they they point out that the rates of interracial um marriage for uh, Asian American women and men has been declining since 1980. So there's been a slow and steady drop since that peak in 1980. And I think just going back to what we were talking about earlier about sort of articles like the one we're talking about and and the others that we see every month or so, they don't really, uh, they don't talk about reality. Because the reality isn't that we're in the peak of interracial marriage in, in 1980. We're sort of we're seeing a steady decline. So the, the reality is changing and it's changing slowly but, and steadily. So it's interesting that we, we, we still keep, we still see these narratives sort of harken back to, oh my God, like we're never going to see, you know, Asian dudes can never get a date. No, but uh, Rachel Swarren's notes in her article that that's all due to immigration. It's not all due. I don't think well, it's, it's all due. It's primarily. Oh, primarily. She, yeah. primarily. So yeah. I think the bigger question is, okay, so immigrants come and, um, they do that, but what happens when they become more Americanized? You got yeah. the two Gs well, and well, so I, think, I still so, think though. So just to complete the 
point was, uh, sorry, uh, I know it's a bit That's of a okay. long point, but was that when I had brought that article up, because I was using that as a, I, w- well, I was saying that the group that will always have the lowest interracial dating statistic is white because they're the biggest group. So there's a size issue here. And she points to that, just saying like the fact that Asian Americans have gotten, as a group, have gotten so much bigger, you just have more opportunities to date in group. And so I was saying, look, this is all being couched in terms of self-hatred, internalized racism. You're painting a very ugly picture, um, which is an unfair way, I think, to look at the whole situation. And this article, for example, shows you that what, you know, your apocalyptic thinking is not true. It's, it's kind of actually going the other way. It's already at that time, it was already six years old. So I'm like, if you get the data in 20, and I'd be interested because in 2020, we'll have a refresh of the data and we'll see where we're at. But the response was because there was a similar story in that Swan's article about um, an Asian woman who her friends were like, oh, yeah, don't even bother because she only dates white guys. And then they ended up getting married. They were like, this article is pushing the banana ring. (laughs) That was the first time I had heard that term online. Yeah. In case people aren't familiar, that's a certain uh, term used in online circles, which refers to like an Asian woman who mainly dates uh, white or only dates white for when she's younger. And then when she gets a bit older and is looking for marriage, uh, she starts looking for Asian guys. It's kind of a racialized version of the whole uh, alpha fucks, beta bucks thing that you get see thrown around in, you know, what they call the manosphere. Um, and obviously there's a lot of problems with that. But there's also, uh, we talked, uh, Teen, you talked about it with Jess in, in a much older pod. It's like, if if Asian women can interrogate white men's dating history in terms of race, which we accept is perfectly legitimate, why can't an Asian man do that to an Asian woman? Yeah, that's my question. I don't have a good answer to it other than... It's always uncomfortable when men I think criticize the, women. Yeah, and so I think, well, I think uh, the problem with banana ring as yeah. a term is it's pejorative. Yeah. So... But on the other hand, if you're an Asian woman and you're dating a white guy and he's only ever dated Asian girls, he's an, he's a yellow, he's got yellow fever, which is also pejorative in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, fever is never good. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's kind of about the asymmetry of gender here, where we maybe you can't think about things totally symmetrically between men and women. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe that's part of it, and we just got to navigate the fact that double standards are part of what makes gender gender yeah um so yeah i don't have a good answer to it either because yeah i come back to the sort of the asymmetry of you know you can't always just say well if you can do it to men why can't we do it to women it doesn't always work that way uh and i I don't know why i I can't come up with a better reason why that is but it just that's one of those things. You just know it to be true. I just, I'm intention. I'm being intentionally dense about it because it's not like I don't understand that calling an uh, Asian woman banana ring is much worse than an Asian woman calling a white guy a yellow fetishist. Um, it's just worse. I don't know. I don't have to really think about it. But then if I'm intentionally dense about it and then I try to figure out why, I can't really, I don't know. I'm not, it's not so obvious to me. John, you got any thoughts? Well, I think banana ring implies that you go back and in the end find yourself with an Asian guy, right? Like the kind of boomerang example. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they're different. They're describing different things. Yellow fever meaning that you're a white dude or, you know, you're anyone who only likes Asian women. That's the context that it's used in. Banana ring implies that 
once you've had your fill of dating white guys, then suddenly you feel the need to settle down. You're kind of trying to put on a good image again and then end up with a, an Asian guy that will be a good father and provide for the household. I think they're describing fundamentally different things, uh, particularly because, let me put it this way, if there was an Asian guy, these exist, Asian guys that only date white girls, right? We call, we, I think we call that white worshiping online. Yeah. So it kind of does go both ways, is how I see it. Yeah, but I think Asian women will say that um, you know, women are criticized more for their sexual choices. So it's a, it's a I, I'd say standard. that's because these online spaces are predominantly male. Well, I'm just talking about like a society in general. For instance, like, you know, birth control pills were a much bigger deal than like condoms, you know, for, for example, because uh, the choices of Asian women or not Asian, there's like women in general are more scrutinized. But here's a question I have, uh, which I think makes this difficult because I think, I think like, I'll just use the term banana rank, not because I think it's a good term, but just because it, it's the one term that summarizes what we're talking about uh, right now. I think there's a way that, as a woman, you can genuinely uh, justify it as just your own personal growth. The same way that a guy might say, I used to be this unconfident, um, nice guy, or I don't know, like bro or whatever, but I've as I've gotten older, I've, I've gotten to like know myself more. I know more of what I want. We wouldn't call that guy some misogynist just because he's describing, like, a, I think a fairly typical journey for a lot of men. Human growth. Yeah. And I think for uh, women, but also Asian women, I think a pretty natural thing for them to happen is when you're younger, you're more prone to like social peer pressure, uh, just like cultural um, images and stuff. But as you get older, uh, you may know more of what you want. And I think they can be genuine in that, yeah, when I was like 19, I, I wanted to hang out with the popular white girls. All those girls liked the popular white boys. I wanted to fit in. I think that's perfectly understandable. But as she gets older, she becomes more confident. When I'm like 28 and I'm more secure in myself, I realize I want an Asian guy. Your values change too. Your I values mean. change. I think that a lot of them, when they say that, are legitimate. But from the guy's point of view, especially if these were the same women who rejected him when they were 19, it's also equally valid for him to be like, Hey, you know, that's great for you, but life's not all about your journey. I have my journey too. Um, and I think some of the uh, guys who are reacting negatively to this piece were like, you know, Asian men, our job's not here to be like your squires in, in, your, in your journey. You know, we have our own thing too. You're saying, you're saying the response to this, this article, that was some of the response? Yeah, like some guys are, oh, this guy's a sucker. He has no spine. That's it's actually really interesting. I, I kind of, that resonates with me a little bit. Yeah, and they're like, oh, I mean, some of the more extreme examples, like, oh, he should ditch her, go for like white girls or like black girls or like, not, <laughs> yeah, like he should yeah. swear off Asian women, you know. And some people uh, pointed out that he was like, uh, like some VC president or whatever. So he's like, oh, no wonder she married him, you know, implying that it was because <laughs> she, she was a gold digger. Is that you know. they're saying? Yeah, well, we have no idea what, what that's, they're That's kind of why I hate the, the usage of banana ring in online spaces because generally, whenever there's any sort of celebratory post or something uh, celebrating Asian women, the first thing that comes up is, oh, but who's, who's she currently with? Or what's her dating history? And, and like, it's so, that sort of criticism doesn't lead anywhere. Uh, the, the comment sections, sometimes you'll just see those types of reactions and they're so negative and not helpful. So I, I personally have a problem. With but the, the question is, do you, is it relevant? I mean, the way I think of it is like, you know, if you're, if you got a friend a close friend who's um, dating someone who he's the first Asian guy she's ever dated. She's only ever dated white or whatever. 
is it inherently misogynistic to raise that with him and be like, yo, um, I, you know, have you thought about that? And, you know, I don't like, what I'm saying is like, is the information itself and taking it into account a problem? I mean, I think the problem is that people jump to conclusions and that there's a very shallow understanding of what that means. Um, because it immediately goes to, she's a white worshiper and she thinks Asian guys are ugly. So she only wants your money. Right. And the more I feel like we rely on this, this issue of this very simplistic linear concept of attraction where it's like, does this man meet the Hollywood ideal as if that's how people actually feel attracted to other people, which is complete bullshit. But as long as you're going along these very simplistic narratives uh, or models of how people feel attractive, I think you're kind of boxed into that. You're like, um, well, the only reason she ever dated um, an Asian guy was, well, you know, you don't fit her ideal if you look in the past. So it must be because she wants your money or whatever. I think we have to look at what the fundamental question here is. And that question is, does this person actually like you based on their history? And I think it's a legit question insofar as can a woman, let's say a guy used to be like an alcoholic, used to coke all the time, went out to clubs, uh, cheated on everybody. Uh, but now uh, he likes this woman, wants to get married, but you suspect it's because he thinks she'll be like a good you know, caretaker, like wife, mother type. And if she is suspicious of that, is she allowed to question that? I think yes, insofar mm -hmm. as it means, do you really like me or do you, are you just kind of using me in some way? I think... It's, it's, you know, it's, hard. it's not a black and white issue, right? Because you don't want to, like, I've seen some guys who say things like, you know, Ali Wong can't be trusted because she made a couple of jokes about sleeping with a homeless white dude, <laughs> despite, like, all the, you know, great stuff she does. Like, those guys are obviously, like, that, that standard is always never going to, no woman could meet that standard to these guys. I bet they're going to be like, oh, you know what, that, she had, like, a poster of, like, Justin Timberlake when she was alive. <laughs> I, I, I think of up. the old like internet meme where like you have the um, the comic book guy. He's like, oh, I would never date this woman. Her knees are too sharp. <laughs> that type of thing. Elbows. Like, elbows. Yeah, her <laughs> elbows are too whatever. Like that. So when you, when you talk about the dudes who are like even an Ali Wong who's, you know, she is as pro Asian people and Asian men as like any Hollywood person could be. If, if she's not good enough, then it's just like, you know, they're almost... But They're I do, so, you know. But I, but, but, what about her special though? Her baby cobra, like the basic story that she. I mean, so much of it is fictionalized, obviously, yeah. right? Like it's not a autobiography. No. But so she's she's making calculated, you know, changes to the story, so that it'll resonate more with people. And she was pretty upfront about it. She was like, "White guys are hot. I understand, even the homeless ones, because it's not about that." But when I saw this man and I was ready for, a, you know, I was ready for something serious and I found out he had a Harvard MBA, then she started boxing everyone out. Well, and, you know, yeah, I that's mean, that's not a, I mean, what about that? Like, yeah, it, it can hurt. I mean, it, 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 I don't know if it hurts so much as it is just like kind of fucked up in a weird way that was never really properly acknowledged. And is it I'm not saying she don't have a right to say it, but is it fair to criticize that at all or is that out of bounds? You know, well, no, we can we can criticize people for having a standard like that. But I think that um, we do have to realize that we all use other people in our relationships, romantic or otherwise. And there are always going to be factors that are not pretty. Right. Like we, you know, men will go for women who have, you know, who might be really bad for them as a match, but they're hot. So you're going to still 
you know, try to go out with them. You know, we have all other standards. Are those standards bad? I don't know. No, but I'll, I'll, but but what about promoting them is my point. And 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 the and the sort of like lack of questioning about that. I think she. I think she did that because if she portrayed her, because like based on her interviews, uh, she did uh, say in one interview, if I recall correctly, that all she's ever dated were Asian guys, um, uh, yeah. you know, for like yeah. cultural reasons yeah. and things like that. But I think if she were to present herself as one of these, um, what we might call like fobby Asian women for whom non-Asian men don't even exist, she would actually have less credibility because she like, I thought very artfully skewered the type, you know, what she called the Yoko Ono factories, mm-hmm. like, like Asian women who think that if they want to be cool and creative or whatever, have to be with somebody who looks like Wes Anderson or some shit. I think if she, in order to have credibility to call that out, she did have to acknowledge that kind of mindset. And I don't think there's anything wrong in just... Because like, think of a movie like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, where like Harold... Remember the, the, the Korean girl who likes him, Cindy? He's like very like repulsed by her. And it's not... I don't think it, it, it's not necessarily racial... Because it could just be he just doesn't like nerdy Asian girls who just are all in these Asian clubs. But I could see how an Asian woman sees that and is like, hey, you know, this guy. And he ends up with like a Latina, right? So he's like, oh, he's like dissing us. Um, but the, the, the message in the movie and um, just like John Cho as a person and what, what he's come to symbolize is a very strong like you know, pro-Asian American community message. So, wait, so you're saying that there's a difference between the, the actor and what they portray? I, I think there, there are certain, because like Baby Cobra is not the, the totality of what she does. I think in what she did there, I think was something she needed to do in order to do what I said, was to call out what we all know is this kind of Asian American female archetype that she called out, you know, the, the you know, he, she said, people think Asian women who wear glasses, like those red glasses she was wearing and has opinions must be with a white dude. I think in order for her to call that out, she actually did have to adopt that kind of mindset because she's like, I am kind of one of you, but it's bullshit. Like this worship of, you know, what she called, you know, said, oh, I'm like in a Wes Anderson movie because I'm with a white dude. It's like, she's like, that's bullshit. So John, we have, we have our uh, resident single dude here. And, um, I would, I would, do you have any, like, have you noticed, like, you know, you've been adult, you've been dating, um, both in San Francisco and in New York, and we're talking about how things have changed, right? Like, from 2012 even to 2019, you know, that six years or, or seven years, uh, you know, the world has changed. Um, have you noticed, like, a, a shift in your own dating experience, you know, it, it, as time has gone on? Not just the change of location, but, like, the, the shift, like, the, the, the time going on. Good question. Can you elaborate on that question a little bit more? Um, have have um, the women that you've dated have has have, have they been the same sort of mix in terms of race? Have they been have they gotten more diverse or less? Whatever has changed. And do you think like talking about race, the racial conversation has either become a subject that you could talk about or the nature of that discussion has changed? I think it comes up in in conversations with people that I'm, I'm dating, you know, more uh, whether it's me talking about something related mm-hmm. or them kind of hinting at something else. It, it does become part of the conversation that we end up having with like Asian women or all usually with Asian women. Yeah, it doesn't. So, so that's why some some parts of this story are like kind of 
uh, in, strange to me. I, I've, for one, I've never seen a profile that says no Asians or oh, like. Interesting. I've, I've literally never seen that. I only see them when they're posted on Reddit. Uh, I've, I've seen Same. them in real life. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've heard they're, they show up a lot in like date, uh, dating apps for like gay dating apps. I've uh, heard that. I've I've seen it on like. Don't, okay, don't they Cupid. filter that out now? Like they might you, have. You'll, you can actually yes. put it in your in your um, profile, like no Asians, but it won't show up. In, you won't so just won't I, see the profile. I think for for like gay dating apps, it was so prevalent because the, the the LGBTQ community and 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 the way that they date and sort of <laughs> I've I've had an education because I've I've gotten to talk more to people in that community, but like they are very blatant and sort of almost lean into their racial preferences and other sort of roles that people play. And they, they create these communities around like the roles. But um, it was so bad on like Grindr and other ones that like no Asians, no whatever, that they've had to try to have these filters. I don't know if it's as common in like Tinder or OkCupid or Bumble, but definitely in the gay ones, probably in the, in the, in the more straight uh, focused ones. Um, but people find ways to get around it, right? They, do, they won't spell it Asian. You know, they'll put some character in there or, or they'll Damn, come up with up. the euphemism, right? Because the, 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 the euphemisms will be food-based. They'll be like no curry, no rice, no whatever. Or they just no won't swipe sauce. right. Yeah, or they just won't. Yeah, but like I've definitely seen it in okay. real life. Maybe it's filtered out now, but. I think since o- over time for me, the dating has gotten easier. I think okay. we're definitely at a point where Asian men are more desirable than I think I've ever experienced. I'm very, I have a very positive outlook on how things are going to go. Um, and I think living in a city like New York, a lot of people are socially conscious. There's less of that type of implicit or kind of under, undercover racism going on. Um, so depending, I think location is a huge factor. But also, I think over, the, over time, things, things are getting better. They have gotten better. And... I'm optimistic about the future. Actually, I have a question. This was goes back to something earlier we said about San Francisco being very homogenous in terms of class, the type of occupations these people come from. How much of this do you think is is kind of a especially bad quirk of the whole like upper middle class, white and Asian like social class? That's a very hard question to answer. <laughs> I don't. Think I mean, I'm... just general. Like, do you think that it's this very like because. I think it reflects a very striver mentality, right? I want the best education. I want the best job, but it's in a very unquestioning way because like, I want to work for Google because like, that's what everybody says. I want to go to Stanford or Harvard because that's what everyone says. I want to get this type of partner because that's what everyone says. I'm just wondering if, because you said New York's uh, a bit different from that. I wonder how much of San Francisco is because so much of those types of people are now applying those principles into their personal lives. Yeah, I, I don't think I have an answer for that. You have to ask Ray or something. <laughs> <laughs> or like a sociologist, yeah. No, it's, um, is there anything you could point to? Um, just like, was there a date or like a series of dates or like just people that you met that sort of, that, that cemented the feeling that it's been getting better for you? Or is it just sort of a, a general trend over time that you've, you've felt? I think it's a general trend over time. I mean, using Hinge as an example, I really love the Hinge dating app because, um, it allows you to, there's like a f- description of the app itself, but like it allows you to comment on not just photos, but also their responses to certain questions. So there's like, it's really easy to break the ice on that app. Um, but I think one quantifiable way I can say is getting better is like, I'm getting a lot more people that are interested in me on the app. So there's mm. like, you can basically, you're swiping right on other people, but anytime someone swipes right on you, or in this case, double taps, uh, you get a notification. And, and that number 
I mean, it's not like I'm not lacking in that number count. Right. And this I don't think this speaks to me individually necessarily. But I mm -hmm. think on a whole, I'd be interested in knowing, is this the case for other Asian guys? And, and does it differ from uh, region to region? Did you see that tweet? Uh, I forgot who tweeted, but it was just like a graph showing how people meet these days. I have not. Okay, so there is it's like the one for like dating apps and online is just like basically a, a wall that just goes up straight line and then things like through friends going down. So yeah, like I, uh, like I remember like 10 years ago, people could still use the excuse. Well, you know, the online world, that's just a niche group. They're, they're probably like, old people or weirdos now it's like no i think that's a microcosm of society and yeah well, I, I even feel like in 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 pop culture they're framing the picking up a chick at a bar as kind of creepy behavior when that was yeah probably that's the i feel most like that's so yeah. out almost outdated yeah now. like you see, if, if you saw it ha uh, happening in real life like wow that's almost like remember how in the old days you'd have a gentleman caller where they were, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like that it's like that equivalent almost now yeah so definitely the way that dating happens nowadays totally flipped um but i think progress on the progressive front uh you know times are changing for the better at least with regard to perception of people of different ethnicities why do you think that is because i i'm very against the idea that this is all just natural like something is pushing it and i think we all have to play our part in pushing it but what do you think is a major force and i do think something like trump's election and the rise of just this naked white nationalism has just shown has gotten woken people up. Yeah, it could, be it, could be, it could be. It could be people. Yes. No, it's a non-joking. Yeah, it's a huge yeah. thing. Yeah. It could be the fact that people are less interested in their once idealized white male uh, as as the ideal guy, and then they're looking to other ethnicities. It could be uh, kind of pop culture incorporating more elements of diversity because that's what everyone asks for. It could be that it's the marketability. Something like BTS makes a lot of money, so they're going to keep leaning into something like that. So a number of factors, I think, right. externally. Whatever the um, the bias was, it was a lot more fragile, I think, than people thought, a lot of sure. people thought. Like we we think of these things as like deeply embedded into uh, the culture, and that it's going to take a lot of time to root it out. And we need, you know, and it didn't take. Much. Yeah, I think the hardest is that first step, and that first step can just even be talking about it. But once you get over that, it's it's like, yeah, and it's it, an artificial barrier, you know. And I think oh, yeah. I think it, that was proven true that people are not naturally biased against you know races, um, but that there is there's a lot. It takes a lot of work, I think, to keep those biases up. It doesn't take much. They're very fragile, I guess. Is like once you whatever forces are keeping those in play crumble. Maybe it did have to do with Trump. Um, it just seems to just, uh, I'm not saying it's completely gone, but it sure as hell changed very quickly. Yeah. Maybe you it's know? like a mountain that's very, getting to the summit is relatively easy, but mm. just like, there's like a cliff wall that's just very hard to climb just to get to if that If you can just point. break through that wall. Yeah. Then it's, yeah. 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 If you, even if you zoom out and, and look at how things have changed over time, I think that should make us very optimistic about the future. Like, in my head, one of the milestones for negative representation might have been Ken Jong and The right. Hangover. And it's uh, top of mind. I just watched it this morning. Um, Wait, why? Because why? I was hungover. And, and oh. <laughs> it was on Netflix. And we're, I was joking with my friends about it. And it popped up. So we decided to watch it. Anyway, um, 
so that that was like a moment where it was kind of reinforcing negative stereotypes and i think that movie came out what like 2008 yeah yeah 10 years later like we're kind of we're kind of on the upswing again like we we recovered from that very quickly i think that really speaks to what you're saying like these these negative stereotypes and what have you are easily shattered and yeah they kind of keep doing it that's why there's the same thing over and over again there's a lot of discipline involved in keeping it up and if you just lay off for a bit it seems to, you know, it's like an active, I guess what I'm saying is it takes an active effort to keep that up. Yeah. Know? But so. when these uh, things, but there are people who get hurt in this. And I do think someone like Sarah, if she didn't meet someone like Andrew, let's say Andrew was like, like, a, like someone from like Eastern Sunrise or something. Like he would, well, you know, he could have, you know, called her a sellout. Race whore, trader. Race trader, yeah. all that shit. Um, so I think what this article was trying to do, because I, I think, if there was, it was very similar to the 2012 piece, but I think the biggest difference was this was a man, Asian man, from his point of view, and I think he was trying to point to a possibility of reconciliation. And because, um, because as I said, there are going to be lots of like, especially like second generation, probably a bit older. I, I think like much younger, like 20 or below, uh, Asian Americans are probably in a different place. But I think if you're a certain age, probably like 30ish and above. Um, you will have grown, probably spent your formative years thinking a certain way. And now that way is no longer acceptable. Um, it, there is a lot of danger there. And I think one thing he was trying to do with this piece, if not the primary thing, was trying to show from a, an Asian guy's point of view. And I think he was very careful to lay out that, you know, he he had a good life before. He, he's not getting taken advantage of. He was like a uh, football star <laughs> or whatever in Colorado. Um, and star, if, I don't know. But he <laughs> Maybe he was a locker room guy. Um, <laughs> but he's like showing, I think, other Asian Americans, particularly Asian guys, like, if I can do this, like, take me as an example and let's build something going forward. I would say if the focus that, or what you interpreted as a positive focus from the article was this aspect of reconciliation, I would have appreciated, I would have liked to see him lean more heavily into it, actually. I think that's a really good message, really strong message, but um, maybe I was blocked by the fact that I've seen enough of these. I'm kind of over this type of, you know, narrative or experiences shared about that narrative. Um, is there I, a is there a type of article on this subject that you'd want to see? I think. Well, I think having first of all an Asian man's perspective that that is doing well for himself. I think that's a great starting point because I had seen very few, uh, none of those. I actually have like a, um, I. I I have like a list of these articles written about that that have this message based on Asian men not being attractive, um, and there's like been one every month this year, <laughs> you know, like literally one every month this year. They're all written from the point of view of an Asian woman, and they're all they read to me kind of the same way. Uh, maybe I'm a little jaded, maybe a little cynical about these types of articles. But I think we're all jaded. Yeah, I, I my view in many cases is like this is very self-congratulatory you're you're doing kind of the bare minimum right like by not being a racist to asian guys like good job but in this case it's written from an asian guy who's doing well for himself and i haven't seen that before so that's new i think um like you said if if he pushed if he leaned more heavily into that i would i would love to see an article like that we're talking about being compassionate building that bridge and and that being the point of it but I think this article is more sharing his experience, talking about what he went through, what they went through, and then happy ending. Mm-hmm. 
All right, I think we can wrap uh, this up uh, for the free part one of this. And then, uh, so everyone, thanks for joining us. If you're a subscriber, uh, the part two will be released very shortly. So thank you for joining us, uh, Teen, Mark, and John. We'll see you either at the bonus or um, uh, next week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.